Lord, as we open your word now, make us aware again that it is your living word. It is not just the book that was printed. Lord, open our hearts. Make us soft before your spirit. Lord, may you change the words of a man into your words as you speak them in our hearts. Do your work, we pray, so that you will be glorified through our obedience and through the lives we live before you. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. We're carrying on in our studies in the book of Luke and we're in chapter 9, so we are making progress. Um, Luke chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at the first nine verses of this chapter, so would you turn there with me this morning? And yes, we're getting to the sending out of the 72, so thanks Chris, um, but we're starting with 12, alright? So the sending out of the 12 apostles, Luke chapter 9 verse 1. And Jesus called the twelve together, and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither a staff, nor a bag, nor bread, nor money, and not even have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And as for those who do not receive you, as you go out from that city, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was happening, and he was very perplexed, because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen again. Herod said to himself, I myself had John beheaded, but who is this man about whom I hear such things? And he kept trying to see him. Next week we're going to carry on where that leaves off, and we're going to see what happens when the apostles return with their report back to Jesus Christ. But this morning, he's sending them out. If you're a parent, you'll know what learning is all about and teaching your children is all about. You show them something, you show them something, get them to do it, show them again, let them do it, show them a bit more, let them do it, and after a while, they should get it, right? Right, teenagers? Your rooms? What are your rooms looking like? Anyway, no, I won't go there. Um, I remember when I was taking flying lessons. Now, I don't often like to talk about flying. But um, when I went for my first instructions, have you ever seen a white park here? That was my instructor. Because he said, you have control. And so I took control. And he went white. And he soon took back control. And what he tried to teach me was, I'm going to show you a little bit, Calvin, and I want you just to copy that little bit. And then I'll show you more, and you just copy that. And so we progressed, I'd like to say. And um, then one day, 
he, we'd, we'd landed and he kind of, kind of opened the door. Prop was still going and I wondered what was happening. And uh, he got out and he said, all right, you're on your own now. And I kind of said, what? On my own? And he closed the door and he said, come and see me when you're done. And, um, well, what do you do? And so, it's amazing what happens is all those things that you've sudden, that you've been taught suddenly kick in. And there I went taxiing off like this actually because I was very nervous. And I took off very nervously too. And once I was in the air, I was wondering, what am I doing here? Because I've got to get down there. But it all kicked in and that instruction came in. It's as if he was sitting in my head and I landed safely, I must say. And he congratulated me afterwards. But that's what training's all about. You show, you let them do, you show, you let them do. So what had Jesus been doing here? The whole of chapter 8 and previously to that, Jesus had been performing many miracles. And who was always with him? His disciples, right at his side. And Jesus had healed the sick. He had cleansed lepers. He had raised people from the dead. And he had not just done it once, he had cleansed many people, he had healed many people. And all the while, big-eyed disciples were watching all of this. And Jesus had been modeling what they were to do. And now they get to their first solo flight. Jesus says to them on a good day, you twelve come here. I'm now sending you out. You've seen me do, now you go and do. And then he gave them very specific instructions. So who were these people that he was going to send out? Well, we see that if you look back in Matthew chapter 10, which we just read, we had quite a variety of characters. Simon Peter, the impetuous one. Just think of the variety here. They weren't all clones, by the way. All good people. Simon Peter, Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, the son of Zebedee. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. Yes, he went as well. James, Labaius, Simon. And here's a surprising one. Who? Judas Iscariot. I wouldn't have seen that one coming. And Jesus sends out these twelve. You see, Jesus is sending them out into the field because Jesus' time of ministry on earth was coming to an end. And we must remember that Jesus wasn't on this earth for a very long time. He was here for a very short period. He did his training, he did his ministry, and then he left them to it. And yes, we read 24 chapters in the book of Luke, but the last chapters are all actually about one or two days. Just a few days. And so Jesus' time of ministry is coming to an end on this earth. And he's got to send out others who will take the kingdom of God and the message of the kingdom of God out. His popularity would soon be replaced by opposition from the crowds. And so he had to teach his disciples to expect opposition as well. And so he sends them out. So those were the candidates. What was the mission, verses 1 and 2? Look in your text, chapter 9. Who were they to go to? Well, Matthew explained that really nicely. Luke just says they went out into the villages. But Matthew, and remember we've got three cameras on these things. We've got Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And Matthew says to us 
that they weren't to go to the Gentiles, they weren't to go to the Samaritans to start with, but they were to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, they were to go to the unbelieving Jews living around that area. I love that, you see. Jesus doesn't just throw them out in the wilderness. He puts them in a controlled environment. They were Jewish. They knew how Jewish ways worked. And so Jesus sends them to the Jews first. Later they would go out to everyone. But he sends them to the Jews first. It's like putting their training wheels on them. And saying, now go. You're going among your own people. Go and copy what I've done. And then he doesn't just end it there. He empowers them for the task. Verse 1. Look at that. It's very, very important because it applies to you and I today too. If we call ourselves children of the living God and if we want to serve Jesus with power, we need to understand this as well. He empowers them for the task. He gives them power. The word here is dinamin or spiritual ability to perform this task. He gives them the spiritual ability to take out this message. And then he does a second thing. He gives them authority as well, or the right to exercise that power. I'm not just sending you out and, and empowering you for it. I'm giving you the right to go and proclaim the message that I will give you, and the right to also heal, to have power over demons, and to have power over the physical realm of diseases. You see, it was a delegated authority Jesus was giving them. They weren't going out on their own. He was empowering them for it. So what was their ministry? He didn't just say, go out and good luck. He actually gave them things to do. So what does Jesus do? Their ministry, verse 2. They had to go out with a very specific message. And if you're an evangelist at heart, and even if you're not, we as believers have a very specific message we have to take out into the world. You can't just make it up as you want to. You can't just read a good book and take that message out. There is a very specific message we take out into the world. And this is it, summed up for us. He says to them, go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then, of course, they would, they would just widen that out a bit. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I'll expand on that a bit later. And also, they had to, they had to show very specific evidence of that message and of God being with them. Matthew explains that again in more detail. They are to go and heal the sick. They are to raise the dead. That must have opened their eyes. They are to cleanse lepers. They are to cast out demons, just like Jesus. You see, the healing ministry then was to authenticate their message. And remember, we're in a special age here. When Jesus sends out the twelve, we call that the, the apostolic age. Jesus was establishing the kingdom on earth. And so he gives them a special power for a special time, and he sends them out. And I'll expand on that as well. And yes, they had to heal in Jesus' name with the power he had given them. So what about today? I can hear that question in your mind. What about today? Do we have the same power? Well, yes and no. No, it's not the apostolic age anymore. We live in the New Testamental age now. came after the apostolic age. Jesus established the kingdom with his apostles. And now we live in an age where, yes, he still heals. But unfortunately, it's not to the same degree as, was, as what was happening then. 
And today we need to test ministries. And I say this because you can see all kinds of things on TV now. You need to test ministries by their conformity to the revealed Word of God. If they don't line up with what God has revealed here, it is false. Don't think because it looks impressive, it must be of God. If it doesn't line up with the way God has said it should work, it is false. Why do I stress that? You see, because Satan can enable his ministers to do amazing things as well. And they look just like the real thing. And they might even look more amazing than the real thing. How do I, why do I say that? Well, go back, go back with me in Exodus, please. Exodus chapter 7. What do we note there? This is way back in the Old Testament, by the way. Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 to 12. There's Moses appearing before Pharaoh. And God's going to give Moses specific signs to show Pharaoh that God is with him. Pharaoh calls his magicians and he tells them to copy. But God is behind this. Let's read their text. Exodus chapter 7 verses 8 to 12. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you saying, Work a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did, just as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down before Pharaoh, and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men. He said, if you can do that, watch this. And the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. There's the clue. For each one threw down his staff, and they turned into serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had said. The Lord was behind this. But what was happening here, these magicians were using their magic arts to copy what was being done. So what do we see today? You just need to go on TV, and I hope you haven't seen this for yourself. But you see people barking in the spirit. You have dog barking, barking. You hear them laughing in the spirit. And they say because it's laughing and it's because it's in the spirit, in that way the two combined it must be of God. You even see gold dust appearing on people. And that must show that they are of God. And the Spirit is in them. And yes, you even see stigmata or blood or tears appearing out of um, statues. And people want to worship these things. But it's not of God. Where does he speak about that in Scripture? You see, we need to test the spirits. Be careful what you believe when you look at things on TV. Test what you see by the accuracy and the accuracy of a study of God's Word, not what you think God's Word says. Study it and make sure it does say. You see, Satan is good at imitating. Don't be tricked. And so God gives them the ability to do all these wondrous things so that His power can be displayed and so that the message that they are bringing out can be undergirded by these works of wonder that happen through God himself. And so what is their strategy to be? Verses 3 to 5. Well, two things. They're to go out with urgency and simplicity. And so he sends them out two by two, says Mark. Now, that doesn't mean if you go three by three, it's wrong. Okay? He was sending them out 
Two by two. And if you know anything about ministry, it always helps to have someone with you. Because you can encourage each other. You can kind of be there when the other one's weak. We can encourage each other in that walk. He sends them out two by two. They are to travel light. They are to accept hospitality. In other words, when they come into a home and they're invited in, they not to stay there and if they don't like the meal or the bedding, then they go and find another place that's a bit more comfortable. You'd be surprised. I've heard all kinds about missionaries on the field, by the way. You hear amazing stories. No, they are to stay there as a testimony that God wants them to accept that hospitality, whatever it may be. Because people give that with their hearts. Don't be picky, in other words. They are to accept no payment. You see, it was a tradition in those days that the prophets used to go around and they used to proclaim whatever word they were going to proclaim and then people used to pay them. And so they used to be given food, they used to be given money, they used to be given clothes, all kinds of things. Jesus says, no, don't receive payment. Go and give freely. He says, bless those who accept you and your message is implied, says Matthew. Bless them. And it's not just a, I bless you, brother. It is a blessing from the Lord that comes upon that household when they accept not just the apostles into the home, but also what the apostles have to say. In other words, the message of the kingdom. And then the contra is also there. Jesus says to them, leave to God's judgment those who reject you and your message. You see, Jesus already warns, not everyone is going to accept you. Some will reject you. Not everyone will accept the message you have about the kingdom. Some will turn their backs and walk away, as they have done with me. Well, leave them to God's judgment. And I think he was kind of pointing at the Apostle Peter here. Because remember, Peter was the fiery one. He was saying at one stage, Lord, just bring down the fire of heaven on these people and burn them. That's Peter. So I think kind of when Jesus was saying this, he was kind of saying, Peter, just leave them to God's judgment. Shake, shake the dust off your feet in this circumstance. You see, the Jews had a custom, especially the very devout um, Jews, when they'd been to Gentile territory, because they had to travel all over the place, right, walking, they would come into Jewish territory across the boundary, and they would have the stamping session, getting rid of all the dust out of their clothes. Why? Because they'd come from Gentile dust. And they didn't want to purify um, their own country and um, defile their own worship of God. And so they used to shake the dust off their feet. And so Jesus is saying to them, it's not just a Jewish custom, I want you to make a public declaration when people do not want to hear my message, that they are to repent. And the people would understand that. They would understand that the dust was being shaken off towards them. You see, the apostles' duty was merely to proclaim the message. The reaction of the people wasn't their affair. They had to proclaim the message. There's a good lesson there for you and I. It takes all the pressure off you and I. Our duty is to proclaim the message. How people respond to it is between them and God. And sometimes we worry so much. How many people have come to the Lord today? Oh, did you see? Did you ever look how many hands went up? It's not our thing. God saves whom He will. We are to proclaim the message. And so here today again, the message is being proclaimed. How will you respond? 
to God's message today. Will you accept it or reject it? It's between you and the Lord. So what was the result of this mission, verses 6 to 9? You see, the apostles went in obedience. They went everywhere into the region of Galilee, preaching to those Jewish people who were lost. They preached the gospel of the kingdom. They healed as God made it possible. And the message, says the Bible, spread all over. And it spread, and it gives an example of someone that it spread to, a very important person in that area named Herod. And Herod was a worried man, because Luke doesn't tell us, but Matthew does, that, Luke had in, that Herod had in the meantime killed John the Baptist. And if you want to see the whole account of that, you can go and read in Matthew chapter 14 what Herod got up to. He decapitated John the Baptist. And that had just happened. And now this message is spreading. And immediately you can see his conscience at work. What's happening? Who is this? Is John the Baptist come alive again? I killed him. Or maybe it is one of these Jewish prophets. Maybe it's Elijah who's come alive again. Because I know in Malachi that he's been foretold. You see, Herod knew this whole Jewish expectancy around. He knew the traditions. He knew the prophecies that still had to come true about the Messiah. So is this Elijah? Has he come alive again? Or maybe it's just one of the great prophets. Has he arisen? How come this news is spreading? How come these people are getting healed? What's happening? Just in brackets here. Elijah was... Uh, Elijah. Herod was trying to see Jesus. Why? Did he want to really hear the message? No. He wanted to see miracles. He wanted to see wondrous things. He loved these things. And so he tried to see Jesus. And you know when Jesus did meet with him later, just before Jesus was hung on the cross? Jesus didn't say anything to him. Not a word. This evil king had silenced God's voice to him. God didn't show him miracles. There was no more chance for redemption for Herod then. What about you today? Is this just another Sunday you'll come and sit, and you'll hear the message, and you'll turn around and walk out and pay no regard to it? Take heed in the lesson I hear it. Well, we've come to the end of that account, and you might ask yourself, the famous two words, so what? Okay, it's interesting. But how does that apply to me? I'm living in 2013. How does that apply to me? Well, I want to show you how it applies to you because we've still got a mandate, haven't we? We've still got a mandate to go out into all the world and we're going to go to that passage now in Matthew chapter 28. You can turn there in the meantime. We've got to evangelize our community. And I'm talking about Wanganui. Wanganui East, if you want to be specific now. And to be able to evangelize our community, we need to engage with our community. We need to get among them. We need to live out God's Word. We need to speak out God's Word to this community. It doesn't help to just do evangelism campaigns where we do hit and run and then get back into the safety of this little church. We've got to live the gospel among the people around us here in this village or town, or city. 
Now, am I saying you shouldn't do evangelism campaigns? No. They have their place. But we are to live the gospel. We have to go out among the people and be among them. You see, in those days, in this account we've just been reading about, they went out with a message, they went out with compassionate service among the people, and that included miracles. And today, what is our task? We have to go out with a message, we are to go out with compassionate service among the people, and it may include miracles, if God allows that. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. I want to take you to our mandate today. Jesus left that to all his disciples just before he ascended. And this is what he said, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. And if you're a Christian today, these are your marching orders. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So what does that exclude? Can't think of anything. It's everything. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I love that word lo, pay attention and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So does that still apply? Yep, the end of the age hasn't come yet. It's still time. And so you and I today, we have a delegated ministry. Jesus has given us instructions. We have a delegated ministry. All authority has been given to him to give to us. And so he gives us his power. He gives us his authority, plus he gives us the message about his kingdom. It's not our own mission, you see. We have a delegated ministry. And the question I want to ask you this morning is this one. Do you live as though you believe that Jesus has given you his mandate and his power? As you live your lives in whatever work you do, whether it's at school or in the business place or at home, do you live as if you have a mandate from Jesus Christ and the power to perform that mandate? Do you live that way, in other words, with power amongst your peers, amongst your colleagues, in front of your children? Do you live that way? Or is it just in here? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can change lives? Well, if we really believe that, and we believe that Jesus has given us the power to speak the message with power, as His Spirit helps us, we will live completely different lives. We will live powerful lives. And people will see it and take note. You see, we need to also remember who's the Lord and who are the labourers. Sometimes we get so carried away with our little programs, we forget who's the Lord and who are the labourers. He's given us very specific work to do. And we get off on tangents and side roads and we forget what our main task is. And that is to proclaim the gospel and to serve others with the power of Jesus Christ. And so we go about our business for Him every day without prayer. Do you stop and pray about people that you're going to meet that day? 
Do you pray and ask the Lord to give you His instruction again? Do you wait on His Spirit for His timing when speaking to people and His guidance as to when to speak to those people? Or do you just blunder in and it all comes to pieces in front of you? Are you dependent on His Spirit for His timing and His guidance? You see, are you on His mission or yours? Is what this passage is asking us. There's another point we can look at here is when amazing things happen and you see your best friend come to the Lord, do you remember to give all credit to the Lord very quickly? Or do you say, what a good evangelist I am. I must try this with someone else. You see, our heads tend to want to do that. Give all credit to God so quickly. When you see Him at work, immediately point to Jesus Christ. Because then God gives, God is given the glory. So you have a delegated ministry. It's His ministry given to you. The second point is you have a definite ministry. And I put the D's in here to try and help you a little bit, alright? A delegated ministry and a definite ministry. No, you can't just proclaim what you want to proclaim. You just turn on your television set and you've got to wonder at some of those messages coming out there. Jesus said to us, Go, preach the good news, the gospel message of my kingdom. Make disciples. What does that mean? Get alongside people. Explain God's word to them. And when they respond to the gospel, explain more to them so that they can grow. Baptize them in my name. And teach them to obey. That's getting alongside and walking the Christian walk. You see, we've got a definite ministry today. And no, your business is not your own pet projects or your hobby horses. And I tell you, we've all got hobby horses. And you don't have to listen very widely in a church community and you will hear the hobby horses coming out. The Lord says, get rid of those things. You've got a central message. Preach the kingdom and help and serve people. That's it. Get rid of the rest. The rest just bring division. Get off the hobby horses. And when you go out into the community, forget your social and your political propaganda programs. And you've got to look at some of the mission programs that are set up. And all you see weaved through it is social, a social gospel. You see all kinds of political agendas to it, especially if you move into Africa and South America. And no, our primary function is not to provide food and shelter, and employment, and moral feel-good sessions for people. And unfortunately, so many of our mission organizations have gone on to just providing food and shelter, and the gospel is hardly heard. Now, must we provide shelter and employment and those things if we can? Of course we are. We have to help people. We have to serve people. But our primary function is to first take the gospel message out. I've got to be really careful what I say here because this is being recorded. A lot of our mission organizations and very close to home was 90% gospel message, 10% help. It's now swung 90% help, 10% gospel. We need to come back to our main function, our main purpose that Jesus sent us out. Otherwise, we're going to send people to hell having lived in good homes and having eaten good food. They need to hear the gospel message. We cannot do one without the other. And so there is 
the challenge for you and I. Yes, take out the gospel message, but also help with your hands. See what you can do. And yes, you are to show compassion. And if the Lord blesses and He authenticates with miracles and with healings, then praise the name of the Lord. Let's not put God in a little box to say, God doesn't heal anymore. Well, who are we to say God doesn't heal anymore? He can heal. He's healed. You only need to step out of the Western world into Africa, into some of those other countries where spiritism is its rawest, and you will see God at work in a way that we don't see in the West. He heals. He brings people to Himself. He casts out demons. It's all very covered up in the, in the West. It happens. Don't put God in a box. We are to preach the Gospel, and if God authenticates it by doing these great things, then glory be to God. So we have a very definite ministry as well. And then lastly, we have a very dependent ministry. And this is the one we forget so quickly. We are dependent on God. You see, the apostles had to travel light. They had to depend on God's provision of food. And that's why he says to them, don't take anything with you. I want you to depend on me and my provision and my bringing people into your life so that you can live in their homes. I want you to depend on me. I will give you clothes and shelter. And that's why you don't even take another cloak or a staff. You see, they had to live urgently and simply for Jesus. And here's the truth we can get from that. God will never call a person to do work for him without guaranteeing the lines of supply to that person. I'll repeat that. God will never call you into ministry of any kind without meeting your needs. But, sometimes he'll want you to step out without seeing how that need is going to be met because you are stepping out in faith and dependency on Him. I've experienced that. There are many sitting here that have experienced that. God sometimes calls us to do that. Have faith in Him first. But we do know He will supply our needs. Every time, He will supply our needs. We need to be reliant on Him. I love Abraham before he became Abraham. You know, God pitched up in Abraham's life way back. In Genesis, one day God appears to Abraham and he says, I want you to leave your family, your wider family, the country that you know, and I want you to pack up your tents, your camels, donkeys, everything you got, and I want you to go to land that I will show you. Now that's quite wide. Yeah? So what do we read? Two verses down. Abraham got up, packed up his tents. He didn't know the God of Israel. And he went. He did what God said he must do. And what happened? In the end, okay, after a lot of history, God really blessed him. I love that type of faith. Have you got that type of faith? If God says to you, I want you to go to Afghanistan, will you go? Jesus had been training the disciples and you and I need to do our homework as well. You know, there are so many Christians out there who cannot explain the gospel message. Can you explain the gospel message simply? If I asked you to get up from your seat and to come up here, maybe I should. 
And to ask you, can you please just tell us very simply, what is the gospel message? Can you do it? You see, the challenge is, if you can't, you need to go and do your homework. Because what is the gospel message? It's the core of what we must give to other people. They don't need any other things. They need the gospel message to be saved. And then we disciple them in everything else. Can you tell someone what that gospel message is? Do your homework. Soak yourself in God's Word. Get those skills necessary. Learn the gospel message off by heart. And don't tell him a little poem when I ask you what the gospel message is. And then, da-da. No, know it in your heart. Why? Because Jesus Christ did it in your life, didn't he? So you should be able to tell others, simply. And the gospel message is a very specific message too. You can't make it up as you go. It is very specific. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about man being lost without a saviour. It was no way back to God. And God giving, making provision by means of His Son. And every person needs to come and they need to believe in the Son as the only way back to God. And they need to turn away from their sin 180 degrees. They need to put it behind them and fall on their knees and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I accept you and you only. There is no other way to you. And then you will be saved. The gospel message. Equip yourself. And then I want to get back to that one on the Holy Spirit. Wait on the Lord. He will send you. His timing is everything. Don and I, before we went to Ethiopia, we really experienced this. God's timing is everything. Because He confirmed in our hearts that we must go. And we knew that we must go. Wait on the Lord. He will send you. Don't go before that. He'll make it clear. And then the next step is put on your face L plate. And I've called it that. You know those L plates you get? And other people need to beware. Put on your face L plate. Why do I say a face L plate? Because we are still learning the walk. None of us is a perfect evangelist. We all make mistakes. We all leave things out. We all fall down in front of other people and they see we're not perfect. So put on your face L plate and go out Step out in the power of Jesus Christ to the work He has for you. Whether it's at home, at work, in this church, in this community of Wanganui East as a volunteer or whatever, serving this community, whether it is a Bible in schools teacher, serve the Lord. Now I'm going to embarrass someone here. They don't know it yet, but they will soon. His name's Peter. I saw Peter change from someone who was quite reticent about going out. And the Lord called them into Bibling schools. And now we get to home groups and that's all the man speaks about. Is the children and the love he has for those children. And the gospel message to those children. Sorry Peter. But it's fantastic to see what God does when you put on your L plate and you step out for the Lord. And I want to challenge every single one of you. There are quite a few of you sitting here. You'll be serving in the church but have you got your face outplayed on as well? The service is fantastic. Please don't stop serving. But are you also living out the gospel? Are you also taking out the gospel by means of what you're saying to people? Put on your face outplayed. 
And trust in the Lord and He will empower you for what He has for you. It's His mission, not yours. He's the Lord. You are His servant. And what's His promise to us? Verse 20. He says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. And that means two things. Either you will die first, but God will be with you till then, or He will come and He will be with you anyway till He comes. So either way, you're a winner, right? Because Jesus Christ will empower you for the task He has given you. So why don't we step out? Why don't you and I step out? You see, here's the problem. And I'm going to be personal here with me. What are the things you find hard to leave behind in your walk with Jesus Christ and in your trust of Him? What are those things? The almighty dollar? Maybe your own independence. If I really dedicate myself to the Lord and and serving Him, I'm going to lose my independence. Or maybe I won't have enough time to do my own stuff. I like golf. And maybe the Lord's going to ask me to stop playing golf because I'll be too busy serving Him. Well, maybe. But is golf greater than your Lord? Or maybe your own career advancement. You know, I love it when students come to me and they say, I'd like to offer my career as a new student who's qualified, firstly to the Lord. Lord, do you want to use me on the mission field? And they go out on a short-term mission and they try. And they see what God has to say and they come prayerfully before Him. You see, that is putting your tent before the Lord first. And then, if the Lord says, no, you carry on in a successful career, then give Him your career. And be a servant of Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you this morning, is God calling you into His service this morning again? You might have wandered off that task. Is God calling you back to Him and His service in His power? And I want to take it further than that. Is God calling you to a specific mission, a reach out mission into this little community of ours of Wanganui? Maybe there's something in your heart. And God is saying, I want you to serve me in that specific way with taking out the message or serving people. Or maybe God is calling us specifically as a church in a very specific way to reach out into Wanganui East around us because He's put us in this community. What is that? I want us as the church to pray. We are not doing enough about going into the community. Yes, we are in the community, and I know we are. There are ministries out there. And you work in the community, but as a combined church, what are we doing to get out into this community around us? To meet our neighbour on various sides. What is God saying to us? I'm not the church. We are the church. And so, if the Lord puts something in your heart, come and speak to us as leaders. And we are praying about this as well. And let's see what the Lord does. Let's see where He guides us. We want to be dependent on Him. We want to go where He wants us to go. Are you ready for the risk? One. Dust off that owl plate. Step out with the Lord. And let's see what God does through people. 
You know, there are many great men and women of God who just stepped out of their little comfort zones and God did amazing things with them. I think of a man like William Wilberforce. Look what he achieved because God worked through him. There might be another William or William Nett Wilberforce here this morning. If you put yourself in God's hands, what can and will God do this morning? Let's pray. Lord, we've heard the challenge from your word this morning. Lord, sometimes we're very quick just to understand with our heads. But that message doesn't seem to get to our feet via our hearts. Lord, I pray through the work that you and only you can do, empower each individual here who knows you to do your work. Empower this church through your spirit to do your work here in Wanganui East. Lord, we don't want to reach that time at the end of time when we, this church is evaluated before you and we get told that we didn't have a light because we weren't serving you anymore. Lord, make us a bright shining light here because of our obedience to you and our dependency on you. Lord, we look forward with expectation to see what you will do in and through us here. And Lord, I pray for any individuals here that still do not know you, and there will be some here. Lord, the gospel message about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he is the only hope has also gone out today. Lord, I pray that they will not have the heart of Herod and will turn their backs on that message and be lost for all eternity. But Lord, I pray that with the same work of your Spirit, you will do your saving work this morning and you will do a powerful work of salvation. May you bring them to you, I pray, so that all glory can be given to you for another soul that you have saved for your kingdom. Lord, be glorified through our lives, we pray. Amen.